So we're going to do repeal and replace. Very complicated stuff. Tests, office visits, pills, hospitalizations. What do they all actually cost? $330 billion with a B. Monday marks the beginning of open enrollment in the health insurance marketplaces. This is confusing. Listening to Health O'Clock, Show 13. The show was recorded on March 5th, 2017. We are your source for health news, trends, and insights. So now it's time to talk about healthcare. Welcome, everyone. <laughs> Welcome back. It has been a long while. It has been a long time. We are so sorry to our listeners. Uh, we took a little hiatus. And got engaged. We did get engaged. <laughs> so, but we're back now and we're raring to go. And today we're going to talk about end of life care. Part one. Part one. Part two is going to be an interview with um, someone we know who works in uh, end of life care. Um, so that's coming soon. But for now, we're just going to talk about it. This is part one of the episode about death. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't, I could have sounded the, you know, put the night right number of words in, but I'm sorry. That, that's just... totally okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to learn about death. Yeah, a little, little dark humor there. Yes. Um, but first, before we get started, I am a health actuary. Um, I used to work at a major insurance company. Now I work for a consulting firm of actuaries. Um, but if you need an actuary, don't take my advice and go like start a business with it. Uh, if you need an actuary, hire one. Yes. And I am just a normal guy. Uh, as a normal guy, I'm not going to represent any of candy bars, no Snickers, no uh, Zagats. Uh, but you know what? Today, I'm here and I'm going to represent all of wellness because wow. I'm feeling healthy. Wow, that's yeah. great. I think I think that's a good step. Yeah, I started in my personal health journey. I oh. started uh, training for a 10K. So, wow. yes, I know. All right. What are Zagats? Zagats. <laughs> now... <laughs> It's one of the least popular candy bars, like only or the Zag Nuts, I think is technically what it's called. You can find them in some of the, the like Phillips 66s, <laughs> maybe the Mobile. So chocolate, nuts, and Zag? <laughs> I, I don't know that I've actually had one. And it might be white. I'm trying to think. No, that's a zero bar. Yeah, yeah. Very yeah. different. Very, very different. <laughs> But anyway, it's good to be back behind these microphones. I know. Okay, well, end-of-life care. So today, what are we talking about? End-of-life care in general refers to patients who are in the final hours or days of their lives. But it also refers to people more broadly who um, have a terminal condition, who know they're going to die soon, and that's progressing, and the writing's on the wall, basically. I see. Um so how as how does the medical community handle these cases? Because I mean, all of us are going to die eventually. Yeah. I hate to break it to you, 
it's going to happen. So no matter what, if you look, if you look at, you know, humanity, there's always a percentage of people that are on the last end of life journey. Right. This does bring up a curious healthcare question, uh, I think, or or just consideration. Well, and when you think about it, I mean, everybody has this vision that you'll you'll die in your own bed surrounded by your friends and family. Um, But in a lot of cases, especially in the U.S., that's not true. You'll you'll have uh, in some cases, you'll have an incident that will occur and you'll have a series of very aggressive sets of care from a hospital and then it will happen unexpectedly. Or in some cases, you may have a terminal illness that will carry on for months and months and months, but you don't necessarily get treated in your home. Sometimes you're treated in a hospital. Sometimes you're in a long-term care Mm -hmm. facility. Um, So there are a lot of different ways this is handled, and we just kind of want to discuss those today, but also make sure that our listeners are educated so they, when they think about it, they know what they want and what they don't want for their own end-of-life care. See, in my case, I imagine the end of my life, I'm going to be dying in a freak skydiving incident that involves the world's largest mound of chocolate chip ice cream. So, <laughs> yeah. It will be glorious for point two <laughs> seconds. It will be... <laughs> The way that I was meant to go. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about figuring out and thinking about all these issues related to how you personally want to spend your last year of life. We'll talk about what kind of treatments are available, um, both aggressive medical treatments to try and prolong your life versus palliative care, which is more making you comfortable um, um, yeah. And then we'll talk about who should be providing this care. It's time to learn. <laughs> Healthcare 101. We have a lot of segments in this today because end of life care, most people don't think about it until it happens to family member. Um, and then you're thrust into all this new information and ideas. We're going to talk about some of it today. Yeah. Um, so the first thing we're going to talk about is advanced directives. Jay, what do you think that means? Advanced directives. Okay, so directive, directions, advanced. So it's it's maybe directions that are given in advanced. Like, ding, ding, ding. Make sure there's marshmallows on the chocolate chip ice cream mound. <laughs> Jay, you've hit the nail on the head. Yes. <laughs> so advanced directives is basically a legal document that says uh, several things that you decide and you determine ahead of time. For example, I want marshmallows on my giant mountain of doom that I'm going to crash mm-hmm. into. Chocolate chip mountain of doom. Uh, more seriously, uh, things like you want to designate a specific person, a proxy or an agent, someone you love and trust who will make medical decisions for you if you're unable. So, Say you're mm-hmm. unconscious and bleeding. And they've got to make a snap decision on how to care for you. Mm-hmm. You trust this person to make a good decision for you. So that's one of your advanced directives is to select a person who will make those decisions. 
good. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So if I have 30 pounds of Rocky Road ice cream <laughs> in my stomach, <laughs> medical science is baffled. <laughs> They will come to you and say, Andrea... You're unconscious, right? <laughs> yeah. There's the biggest smile I've ever seen on Jay. <laughs> I'd say, he news. died happy. <laughs> Do not resuscitate. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, that's another thing on advanced directives. Uh, you indicate which treatments you will or will not accept. Uh, for example, if you're in a vegetative state, are you okay with having a feeding tube inserted? Are you okay mm-hmm. having... Um, artificial uh, life support, like a breathing machine breathing for you? Or do you not want any of that? When it's your time to go, you go. Yeah. Um, Some other things that would go on advanced directives are if you want to stay on dialysis, um, how long when you're in a vegetative state before you are removed from life support, if you want your organs donated, Mm -hmm. Like if there's a specific place you want them donated, you can specify that. Um, So a lot of things that you can decide on your... Beforehand. Beforehand, yeah. You can think about it right now. I'm in the early 30s. I can get my list done. Right. And that's something we'll talk about later. Sometimes uh, you want to revisit this probably every couple of years. Make sure everything is still correct and you still agree with the decisions you've made okay um but it's good to have one of these so there's no guesswork involved for your family and friends if you're incapacitated sure there's also a a mental health care directive that you can put in Mm -hmm. um if you're mentally not able but you're physically you're fine it tells you whether you want to be put into an inpatient facility how that you want that to be handled Yes. So this is all good stuff. It's not fun to think about, but it sounds pretty darn important. It's very important. And we can jump to some states, um, even if you say, yeah, pull the plug on me. I don't want to be kept artificially alive. Some states won't allow you to do that. What? Um, You'll remember the the whole Terry Sher. Terry Shrivo incident back I do in, remember way that. back in the day. Well, not way back. It was like 2005, but yeah. Yeah. Like one relative, some of the relatives were like, yeah, let her go. And then some estranged relative came in and was trying to keep her alive. And so there was this big battle. And because she didn't have this legal document saying what to do, there was this big fight. Oh, because the state's going to default to one way if you don't have this document in, in place. Right. And I think the state, and and I don't remember the details on this, but I think the state defaulted to her uh, spouse who was estranged, who like wanted to pull the plug, and the rest oh. of the family wanted to keep her alive. Interesting. Um, okay. So there is a form called the Five Wishes form that covers like who do you want making decisions for you, what you will and will not allow, last messages to your family. And this is recognized in 45 out of 50 states as of 2015. As a legal document. Do you have to as get a this legal document. notarized or something? Um, you do have to get it witnessed. Okay. Um, so if you're signing it, get your talk to your medical proxy and let them know that that's what they are. Tell them what you want, what you don't want. You both sign it. So there's no surprises. And then keep it somewhere where they can find it quickly. Yeah. So email it to them. That would be it. And then they just have it with them on their phone all the time. Yes. So that's probably the easiest way to do one of these advanced directives is that five wishes form. We'll put the link on our 
on the bottom of our yeah, podcast. That's if you're a great interested idea. In doing yeah. that. Some other things about laws in your state. There is in nineteen ninety, uh, Congress passed a patient self determination act. It allows you to decide now about the types of care you want. It says patients have this right that they can decide how they want to spend their last bit of time in life. It requires health agencies to recognize your advanced directives and pay attention to them like they can't just ignore what you want. And healthcare agencies have to ask whether you have this document. Okay. And they must also give you information about your rights. As far hmm. as this. So that's a, a pretty good law they passed in 1990. Yeah. I, as far as I know, it's still in effect. Yeah. Nobody's ever asked me about my advanced directives. Uh, maybe that's a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, one more thing about laws and then we'll move on. Uh, there was a provision in the Affordable Care Act that Medicare would pay for you to have a conversation with your doctor about end-of-life care, your advanced oh, really? directives. Like, they would actually pay the doctor for you to sit down and have a conversation with them. That's a nice little, I don't want to say perk, but I'm going to say perk. It's a good conversation that I think yeah. everyone needs to have. Not necessarily with their doctor, but maybe if the doctor was trained in this discussion, it would be good. Yeah. But this got kind of twisted and turned into part of the whole death panel thing oh i remember that yeah and so it got pulled from the final law when it passed but so it's interesting how things get twisted like that it really is <laughs> it really is okay so moving on moving on let's talk about cost cost and uh, now this to me sounds like it could be kind of sticky because if you know grandma is a vegetable but you know you don't want to see grandma go, it's going to be expensive to it, keep her a vegetable. You're right. Yeah, I mean, and, there, there's yeah. a lot of a lot of things feeding into let's keep them alive as long as possible. Another reason your advanced directives are so important. A lot of times family want to keep you alive as long as possible. That's only natural. It makes sense. Physicians are directed to heal. Yeah. So they feel like, from their perspective, they want to do everything within their power to make you better, prolong your life. Plus, they have that whole malpractice lawsuit mm -hmm. hanging over their head. So they are incentivized to do as much as possible, even if there's really no hope. I see. Um, so this leads to a lot of runaway costs uh, for people in their last year of life. I looked up the number the Kaiser Family Foundation reported, um, I think in 2015, the average Medicare cost per patient in their last year of life was $35,000. Whoa. Just in one year. That's and that's what they average. Spent. That's average. Um, the highest average was for age 73. It seemed to kind of taper off after that. Really? Which tells me that age 73, people say, oh, they're young. They've still got a lot of life left to live. Let's try and prolong their life. Whereas it, it tapered down and hit a low around age 95. Yeah. Where you start to say they've lived a great life. Let's not do all these expensive interventions. Let's let them go peacefully. Sure. That is a interesting phenomenon. 
But in general, roughly 20% of all medical costs, and this is a rough number, all medical costs in the United States, 20% is spent on the last year of life. You're kidding. It's a lot of money. Whoa. Yeah. Dang. So all of our insurance prices and premiums and things that we have to pay reflect the 20% of end of life. To some extent, yeah. The uh, the number is a little lower for your insurance because you're insured through employer coverage. Yeah. And most people who are employable age aren't passing away. So I think it's more like 15 to 18% of your costs mm-hmm. are end of life. And usually those are tragic things like cancer and accidents. and But for Medicare, Medicaid, yeah. both of those, it's very high, especially Medicare, they, that's the over 65 coverage, and that gets pretty expensive for those people. Dang, that's crazy. So that's cost. Cost. <laughs> now, I think there's there's one more topic that... Yeah, we made it through cost. Let's talk about facilities for end-of-life care. Usually, you have a choice of several different places. You either have some kind of catastrophic event, and you end up dying in a hospital, You have a huge heart attack. Mm -hmm. Um, You have a car accident. One of those big events, it happens suddenly, you die in the hospital. Sure. In other situations, you get a chronic illness or you're aging, and a lot of times they'll put you in a long-term care facility, like a nursing home. Okay. You need, like, daily care to be taken care of, but you don't need, like, the really extreme medical care from a hospital. You just need someone to help you go to the bathroom and make sure you're eating and all of those things. Mm -hmm. A lot of times, if you have six months or less, you get put into a hospice facility. And that's palliative care is what it's called. Um, That's basically, we want to make you comfortable. We want to treat your symptoms. Another big part of this, and we'll talk about this with Matthew when we interview him, is goal setting. Like, what do you want for your last year of life? What do you want to do? You want to live to see your daughter's wedding, or do you want to just be comfortable and go at the natural time? Or giant rocky road ice cream that could happen too. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So all of that is a part of palliative care, making sure you have a quality end of life experience. Um, So that's important for you to think about ahead of time. And that's important for family members to make sure you get into the right facility or even have your care at home um, Mm -hmm. where you meet all of Mm -hmm. those goals that you want for your last last year of life. I see. Interesting. Um, I did notice when I was doing research for this that there's a concern that a lot of hospice, the for-profit hospice, is increasing. Oh. In 1990, about 5% of hospice facilities were for-profit. And in 2013, over 60% was for-profit. So that's a huge field of growth. So when the baby boomers start heading out, we're going to need more hospice for sure. Right. And probably a a large majority of that is going to be for-profit hospice. As of right now, it's profitable. Wow. But there were some concerns that went along with it. I won't get into those right now. That's a whole rabbit hole I don't want to go into. Sure. Um, That's probably a show in itself. Oh, yeah, it probably is. But other articles I read say make sure you know what the facility is. Is it an ethical company? 
Have you gotten a recommendation from someone that they treated your family member well? Just do your research beforehand. Yeah. All this is getting kind of heavy. It might be time to relax a little and just take that (laughs) sweet, sweet break. I forgot about the break. Yeah. Just, ah, you're alive. The sun is shining. You know people. Take time. Smile. Road ice cream. Thank you. <laughs> I think Jay is planning his own death. <laughs> <laughs> no, I no, just... Jay, you're so young. <laughs> <laughs> I hope Rocky Road ice cream actually tastes the same to me after this show. (laughs) I know. (laughs) It started as a joke, and now it's getting kind of morbid. (laughs) But what a way to go, huh? Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Right before the wedding, too. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, hilarious. Uh, So um, let's talk about what's been going on in the news as far as end-of-life care. Yeah, sure. All right. New, New bumper. bumper. Nice going. Thank you. I downloaded it myself. It's lovely. Yeah. Uh, so in the news uh, recently, and you may have heard about this, um, there are a lot of states looking at end of life options. A lot of state legislators looking to pass bills about end of life. I believe there are six states right now that allow people to terminate their life when they know that the end is near and so forth. Okay. Um, But Maryland had an end-of-life option bill that failed. Uh, Washington Post reported on this for the third straight year. So, I mean, this is kind of a conversation that's happening. I think New Mexico's talking about it. Minnesota's talking about it. This is a conversation that has come up again and kind of all over the country. Interesting. Is, Is it okay for someone to decide... I'm terminally ill. I want to go under my own terms. Yeah. Um, so that's a really interesting conversation people are having. Pay attention to the news and you'll probably see mm. more of that yeah. in the coming weeks. That's a tough one. See, laws get sticky. Everybody has different beliefs. And when there has to be a law, I mean, you're just going to make people mad one yeah. way or the other. Well, and the article was talking about how strongly the Catholic Church felt yeah. And opposing this law because mm-hmm. of their views on life and so forth. Um, so it's interesting to see how different beliefs are clashing in this way. Yep. Yeah, this is uh sorry everyone, this is kind of a heavy podcast. No, it, <laughs> we said we're gonna we're gonna come back and we're gonna make a podcast people are gonna remember. And by crikey, 
I think we're doing it. Well, maybe some more people will have advanced directives because of us. Yeah. That would be nice. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The fruits of this will, you know, be seen in, you know, 60, 70, 80 years. Sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully longer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So one more article. Uh, there was an article on the five things we could do right now. As a country to and stay immortal. And as no, <laughs> no, oh. and as um, a medical community, as people living in the United States, to improve end of life care. So I'm going to quickly go through these. Jay, feel free to comment. Ah, I will. Um, the first one is emphasize planning for it. Mm-hmm. Emphasize planning for end of life care. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, that goes right along with. Uh, the directives. Right. So. Yeah. Know, know ahead of time. It's a very emotional time, mm-hmm. uh, especially if you know that you have six months left. Be sure you've thought about it beforehand and yeah. and don't make a snap decision at that time. Sure. If you can avoid it. Which um, um, I have been doing a lot of thinking and to avoid any emotional feel, feel decisions. I think Carl's Jr., CEO will um, <laughs> will make my my pull the plug <laughs> decision. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Can you imagine man. that if he I got that in the not. mail? <laughs> I uh, who's hope not. Jay? <laughs> 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 All right. the The second thing in this article is refine Medicare coverage. Uh, there are some serious gaps in what Medicare covers. We talked about one of them, which was discussing advanced planning with your doctor. It'd be great if Medicare covered that. Some other things, breaks for family caregivers. So if you are receiving care in your home, mm-hmm. it's most likely that one of your family members is caring for you. Taking the burden. Yeah. It would be nice if Medicare either paid for some of their costs yeah, or paid for someone else to come in so they could take a break. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Um, so there are definitely some, some things we could do in, in the Medicare realm to um, make end-of-life easier. Measure the effectiveness of end-of-life care, number three. There's so many things we so far don't have data for. Um, different providers, um, where do you get the most quality care? Where do people want to spend their last six months, last year? Sure. Um, so quality metrics, making sure that patient preferences are being met, all these things are not being measured right now. So that's something we could really improve upon in the United States. Number four, train more clinicians in palliative care. Uh, we talked about this a little Wait, bit. What's palliative care again? It's basically instead of like medical interventions to cure someone, it's to make them more comfortable. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, pain relief, uh, planning for their last amount of time, mm-hmm. um, goal setting. So all of that is part of, like, we're going to make you comfortable. Sure. Okay. Um, so there needs to be better training in this area to make sure that medical persons know how to provide this kind of care. And then finally, get community input on better models of care. And let policymakers know what works better as they're writing these laws. Very good. End of life care could be a lot better. All it takes is, I guess, planning and 
you know, following those last five ideas. Yeah. So the biggest one is planning. Um, so as we close the show today, if you're interested, we'll have a link for the five wishes document. Uh, click on that, take a look at it, discuss it with your family members, fill it out and keep it somewhere safe. Um, if you want to know about state laws in your state and don't really feel like looking it up, we'd be happy to do it for you. Oh, so, yeah. So send us a message at healthoclockpodcast at, at gmail.com. Gmail. Um, send us a message. We'll look up those laws for you, send them back to you, um, and hopefully help you with the planning of your advanced directives. Thank you. So much for listening. Thank you for listening. Our next show will be End of Life Healthcare Part 2. With an interview. Yay. Yeah. So um, anyway, thanks again for listening. Subscribe to us on iTunes uh, or any other of your podcasting aggregates. Like us. Write reviews. Get active. Um <laughs> Which is, I know, we haven't been super active. But anyway, we're back, and we're going to be. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, have a great week, and talk to you next time. <laughs>